Hey everyone, welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host, Steph, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Beth Farocco. She is a nutrition and fitness coach who not only embodies a sober lifestyle, but has also been a tremendous inspiration on my own sober journey. We'll have an honest conversation about how fitness and sobriety saved us and dive into the impact of alcohol and fitness during menopause. We'll also tackle the diet industry, revealing how they thrive on complexity while we uncover the simplicity that truly works for a healthy life. And for those sugar cravings that often accompany sobriety, we'll share our tried and true strategies. Beth, your Instagram account was my turning point, propelling me towards sobriety and self-care. Thank you for being unapologetically you and sharing your story. I am truly honored to have you on the pod, and I know that the listeners will be inspired by your journey. This is Beth Sober. Hi. Hi, Beth. How are you? Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, too. I love your glasses. Oh, thank you. Peepers on Amazon. They have so many different kinds. Yeah, they're readers, so you can get all different colors. Um, yeah, I have oh so many. <laughs> they're so fun. I do notice those in your videos. Yeah. You, have, you like have I, a different pair on every time. <laughs> I know. I have to keep it, um, you know, festive, I guess. <laughs> so thank you for doing this. Yeah. You, oh, my God. I have been following you. So I've been sober for 18 months. Congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. You're a big part of that. Really? Oh, like, yes. I mean, okay. So I started following you way before that. Um, mm-hmm. Probably more fitness wise. I've always really wanted to be fit. Uh-huh. But I was a binge drinker and I never wanted to let go of that. I always mm-hmm. thought I could find a way. And I also never thought that I was a problem drinker because I surrounded myself with other binge drinkers. So I just thought that was normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and following you, you showed me that sobriety. Cause in my head, I'm like, if you have to be sober, you're going to have to be like God fearing, like boring as hell. Like, you know, the stigma that, and that's what yeah. I thought about, like all of us in the sober community, just like speaking out and showing who we are, because it's not like that. But you started right. that in me. Oh, like, I love really, that. really did. Because I'm like, look at this woman. Like, she's fucking cool as hell. And she's sober and she's fit. Like, I want to be her when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats to you. 18 months. That's that's amazing. I know how hard it was for me the first couple of years, to be honest, Um are the real, the toughest, because you're still trying to figure out and navigate, like, your new life, <laughs> you know, kind of, but you're right, like, you're, I know, I don't know about you, but I know, like, I just drank so much, Bin- I was a binge drinker, too, and it's like, I didn't even know, really, who I was as a person, I didn't even know what I liked. <laughs> what, what age did you start drinking? Uh, I think I was, you know, 17, 18, it was more, my father passed away four days before I graduated high school. And um, before that, I was always the one that was driving the people around. I wasn't really like the drinker at the parties. Um, My boyfriend at the time that I'm married to now, he was like the partier, the drinker, all his friends. And I'm like the sober person. And then that kind of flipped (laughs) when my uh, father passed away. It's like um, grief kind of took over and I just started drinking and not, I wasn't an alcoholic, you know, how it's like a progressive disease, right? But everything, it just uh, accumulated over the years. I started bartending and then you getting into the bartending world, which I was in for like 20 years. And so, you know, I'm surrounded by alcohol. It's normalized to drink while you're working because you're in a bar. Everyone's drunk. You know, they want to buy you shots. And so I kind of carried that bartender life into my married life and motherhood. And it's that that didn't coincide too well. I would imagine. Yeah. So at what age then did you get sober? Um, I was 42. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I'll be eight years sober in August. Okay. Yeah. Because I would have been 
41 when I got sober. Mm, so about almost the same time. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. What was it for you? Like, I know some people have like a dramatic event. That's not what happened for me, but it was dramatic enough for me. But right. what, what kind of like led you to decide? It was like, I knew for a, a couple years, it was actually, I, I tried to quit when I was still living in Los Angeles, which oh, was quite, a, quite some time ago. I actually went to some AA meetings I, and this is while I'm working in the bar still, because I'm like, you know, I know I had a pro I was still, it was drinking a lot. And, um, so I went to a couple of AA meetings that didn't last. I continued drinking. Um, and then I would try to like quit on my own. I had kind of like what I would do is I feel like I had disordered eating and that was, uh, mm. with my alcoholism because what I would do is I would go on these crazy fad diets so I could stop drinking during that time. I'd be like, okay, let's do, um, let's do paleo or whole 30, 30 days, no alcohol. That was my excuse. I'm like, okay, if I do this, then I don't have to drink. Right. But then as soon as the diet was over, I would start drinking again. Then I would do something like a 14 day fast, no, the lemonade uh, diet or whatever. And then I would not <laughs> drink again. And then, um, when that was over, I would start drinking. So it was like, kind of like a back and forth thing. Um, I was always looking for a way to quit, but none of the ways that I was doing was working. Um, the real catalyst to me quitting was, um, it was my anniversary, August 17th, 2015. And I was at a, um, barbecue during the day. Um, my, uh, husband was working. So I was with like his, um, father and his like wife and, you know, um, my son's cousins and things like that. And my stepdaughter, um, but we were leaving, um, I drove with the two kids in the car and I must've had a bottle of wine in me. Uh, so I got home and I was like puking. My husband came home. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Okay. <laughs> it's our anniversary. The, you had the kids in the car and I'm like, oh my God. And that was the moment where I was like, if I do not quit, I'm going to die or I'm going to kill somebody else. And you're literally always one decision away from a different life. Like I think about that statement all the time. Like what? If I didn't, you know, I could be in jail with, uh, oh with gosh, manslaughter you charges. Imagine, you know right. what I'm saying? So yeah. I like, I, I like had this vision of like, that could, ha that could be me. So there just so happened to be an AA meeting down the street from me at this local church. And um, I decided to go one day. I think I was on a walk, like a little bit after what happened, like the day after that incident of my anniversary. And I was like, I need fucking help. Like, God, just like, show me what to do. I, I'm like, done. I'm just so like done, you know? And so I just went to that AA meeting and I was like, my name's Beth. I'm alcoholic. And I felt such relief. It's like, and everyone's like, welcome. And they were so nice. And so I decided to go every day for a year. Um, I oh, haven't been. To, oh my God. Yeah. I went every day for a year straight. Um, I haven't been to an AA meeting. I have to admittedly in a very long time. Um, went every day for a year. And then after that, I went sporadically. And I just noticed for me, it, it wasn't working anymore in that environment, because I felt like I was listening to the same story mm -hmm. over and over and no one was moving ahead. Mm -hmm. They were just always stagnant. And I'm like, we, we have to move forward from this. You guys are like fucking stuck. Um, nothing against AA. It got right. me to where I am today. But I just feel that, um, it just, you just hear the same thing over and over again. No one's moving forward. Um, and it's like, you have to go all the time or you're a dry drunk. And I just started getting, I was more clear, you know, yeah, right. I just started getting these like, this is just not for me anymore. Like I have things to do. And I feel like if I'm staying here with these same people that are literally saying the same fucking thing every day that I'm not going to get any anywhere because I'm like, I have nothing to contribute anymore to this. Um, I, you know, I want to do things. So but before that, when I was that whole year during AA, I met a girl. Her name was Allison, and um, she started this like boot camp thing at 5:30 in the mornings. And so, what I would do is I would meet her, and then I would go to my AA meeting. And so, I did that for a long time. And she kind of like got me into the whole fitness thing. I started running with her, then I started doing races, and so I started like focusing on more my health and wellness uh, along with like my sobriety. So that's how kind of the fitness thing got started along with that. Yeah, I start so I started working out. Well, you know him, Eric Roberts. Mm, I joined mm -hmm. his I joined his clubhouse nice. around the same time that I got sober. Uh-huh. And I and then now I do one-on-one -on -one with Linda. 
Okay. One coaching. I say this all the time. I don't think I could have my sobriety without, without my like workout, but I also know that I could not have like my workout and my fitness without my sobriety. Like it mm-hmm. is full circle. Yeah. They are like hand in hand. Do you feel the same way? Like, especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short when they get sober is that they don't focus on the other things. And that's why they dive into um, the cakes and the cookies and the sugar, because mm-hmm. they're going from one thing to the next. Um, really, you know, because it's, it's that dopamine hit, right? Yes. Yeah. So what what fitness gave me was that dopamine hit. So the yep. running, you know, the runners high, I was admittedly, went a little too far with the running. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was doing like, 5Ks, 10Ks, trail races. I um, did like a like a series of trail races where it was like a six miler, a 12 miler, and a 15 miler, um, all within the same month. Um, oh and then God. I would like, and then then like I did a half marathon, and then the next weekend I would like climb Mount Katahdin. You know, oh, it was very yeah. just, yeah. I, I mean, why not? You were binging. Uh, you were binging on running, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then I got plantar fasciitis. Um, I had shin splints. So. I had to also take a look at that. It's like, okay, you don't, you know, that kind of transformed over the years as well. I don't have that unhealthy relationship with exercise anymore either because I'm not trying to run away from anything. (laughs) Um, I just really love it now, but it's not to the extreme it was. Yeah. And I think that is like kind of a recovery behavior because I do. Yeah. There's a lot of people I know in the sober community that just full on with like you were saying, like the sugar and the sweets and, and all of that. And I'm like, I do eat, I did eat more than more of that, but nothing like what they were doing. Like I would actually, instead of drink a glass of wine or a bottle of wine at night, mm-hmm. I would now allow myself to have like a bowl of ice cream. And like, to me, that is nothing compared to what I was consuming in that bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And I want to kind of like lead into this because that's something that oh my god I love your posts when you talk about when these people are like talking about diet sodas and oh. creamer, coffee creamer, and all of this stuff. But then th- nobody wants to talk about the alcohol that they're consuming, no. and and it's so crazy because I used to be that person. Like when you were talking Me about how you used to, right? Like I I didn't have I didn't eat gluten and dairy for like five fucking years, but I was drinking wine and drinking white claws like nobody's business. And I was like, but I'm healthy because I don't do, you know, gluten and dairy and I'm taking care Mm -hmm. of my body like, holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I know. Oh, my God. Like, I look at that now and I'm like, wow, this is where we're at in society, because like, Mm -hmm. I truly believed that. Yeah. Oh, same. Yeah. I mean, I would drink a bottle of wine and then like ream my husband for eating ice cream Mm -hmm. because not healthy. (laughs) I mean, it's, (laughs) it's crazy. Yeah. I agree. You know, I used to be that person. It's like that aunt at Thanksgiving, you know, that's drinking and being like, I can't believe you're eating that uh, or drink, you know, it's like, and she's like drunk. Um, That was me. (laughs) Yeah. But when you know better, you do better. And so when I see these people that just go off about like diet soda and seed oils, I'm like, really? You're you're freaking out about something that really fucking doesn't matter. It's there's nothing wrong with this stuff. Like no one's dying or committing manslaughter because you're um, using vegetable oil to saute your veggies. Um, That's ridiculous. But they with such conviction. um, And they're the the comments are so hateful, like Mm -hmm. it's poison. I can't believe you don't know what you're you're talking about. You think you call yourself a nutrition coach. Um, It's like, wow. Okay. But then when I mention alcohol, um, they're like, not everyone that drinks has a problem, but they're going to, you know, go nuts on you about the diet soda you're drinking. It makes no sense to me. Right. And that's our, that's our problem. (laughs) Diet soda. Diet soda is the problem. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't touch that shit. Yeah. for years. Oh, me neither. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, and I'm not like, what's crazy too is like, I'll have one here and there. I don't need like, it's nothing like alcohol. Like, it's not easy to have one, you know, alcoholic beverage. But for me, I can have one diet soda here and there. It's not mm-hmm. good. Like you said, I can drive. 
I can mm-hmm. function. I'm not yeah. going to like hurt anybody. It's not going to ruin my fucking marriage. If I drink right. diet soda, like it is, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Does it <laughs> make it make sense? <laughs> Please. Yeah, I know. I, and I, I love when the nurses and the doctors get in the comment section and they're like, you know, we've never had someone come in the emergency room um, because of seed oils or aspartame. It's always mm-hmm. because of either a drunk driving accident. They're like, if you knew the stuff that we saw with people that mm-hmm. have um, problem with alcohol, um, you wouldn't be saying these things. <laughs> Just lo- OK, so this all kind of goes hand in hand, too moderate drinking or people who are like, oh, you know, not everyone has a problem with, with drinking alcohol or whatever, but then they go on these like strict fucking diets. Mm -hmm. And you were somebody who opened my eyes to the diet culture and to the bullshit around it. I mean, it, there's just so much money to be made in the diet culture. And that, and that's, I mean, really like I had a boss tell me one time, always follow the money. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. this is like the perfect example, like follow the money, like Mm -hmm. this, that's what it's all about. It really, they don't have your, you know, health in mind, like keto, like all of these diets, but it's like, for me, I compare it to moderate drinking because moderate drinking is just bullshit for me. Like I try to moderate my drinking for so long and it just yeah. sucks the joy out of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, like what is what is moderate drinking? Exactly. Like moderate drinking to me would be like a bottle of wine. Right. You know, I mean, like, I don't drink that much. It's just a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, you know, the people are like, or oh, it's really just too, heavy too glass. Glass. big glasses. <laughs> but you have a bottle of wine in that big ass glass. That would be that. That would be me, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. People don't understand that moderate drinking it everyone has their own version of it because mm-hmm. it's their skewed version of what their reality is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a slippery slope mm-hmm. because there's a lot of comparison in it too. I feel like, you know, you can get caught up in the people around you and their drinking habits and like how much they're drinking and, Oh, well that seems moderate. And yeah, it's such a mess, but it's like kind of, if we coincide it with like the diet culture stuff too, these strict diets are the same type of thing, right? They're just mm-hmm. like, they, anything that like takes you out of the moment or that you have to like focus so intently on or feel guilty because you fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I compare the two. Like yeah. you literally will feel like if you, you know, you're on keto or you're doing a fast or whatever and you fuck up, you just feel like shit. Like I just mm-hmm. feel like anything that makes you feel that way, you really need to yeah. examine it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I know we shouldn't ever feel like shit for eating a certain food or yes. people literally will bash themselves, um, degrade themselves. Like, you know, the amount of self-loathing that they talk to themselves, especially if I had a donut, can't believe I had a donut, you know, and then they will go out for like a 10 mile run or, you know, it's, it's really insane. I mean, I was that person, I mean, I was, you know, I was like, I shamed my husband. You have an ice cream or if I had something, I'd be like, oh my God, I have to work that off. Um, but that's not how it works. <laughs> no, it's not. But for so long, like that was my, that was me too. Like yeah. I was saying, I mean, there was a time in my life where I wanted it all. Like I wanted to be able to binge drink all weekend or start on Thursdays and then mm-hmm. like be able to work out during the week. But to me, it was like punishment. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, we're going to do this workout that I don't want to fucking do because I feel like complete shit, Mm -hmm. but I have to do it now because I overconsumed all weekend between alcohol. And then, you know, we eat like shit when we're hungover and late at night before we go to bed with one eye open, we're just like, yeah, Mm -hmm. fucking Taco Bell. So I don't feel like shit tomorrow. And then I wanted to like push myself through these stupid workouts that I didn't even like doing, but they were in my mind, like I would go to these cycling classes. They were like a two hour drop in cycle class. Oh wow. And I would do the whole fucking two hours, Beth. Like, wow. I was like soaking wet, like sweating. Yeah. I'm sure the person next to me was like gross. Like I probably <laughs> like straight booze. I mean, seriously. Yeah. And then in contrast to like what I do now, I don't have to like kill myself. Mm-hmm. And I actually enjoy like I look forward to my strength training because that's something I do now. I mm-hmm. never did strength training before either. Like I just didn't understand it and was scared of it. But um, you know, there's this confidence that comes with your sobriety. Yeah. 
to try different things. And then you, and then you actually do it and you're like, fuck yeah, like I can do this right. Uh huh. Totally. When did the, mm-hmm. did the strength training come in for you right away? Cause you said you were like doing like five K's and half marathons and hiking and all of that. When did the strength training start to come in? Um, that came in probably when I started working at the gym. Um, but what happened was the girl, Allison, I was talking about, she ended up getting a job somewhere that, so we couldn't meet anymore. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I need, I want to work out. And so a gym just so happened to open up down the street from my house too, uh, in town, I have a little, little town in Maine here. And so everything was like, right. It was so convenient. Um, so I started taking classes there, like going to them. And then um, they were looking for a front desk person. And so I started working behind the front desk. And then I was asked to be um, a coach. So the group classes that I took were more, they were like, uh, I want to say hit, because they weren't really hit, but they were like circuits, some strength training. That's kind of how I started dipping my toes into strength training, but it wasn't really following like a progressive overload program because it was a class like the body it, pump stuff like that less kind of yeah stuff. I was like yeah. you would move to stations but it wasn't like you yeah. were doing you know these uh, heavyweight yeah but you couldn't yeah. progress that way because you were mm-hmm. moving from station to station um but that's kind of how I dipped my toes in it and then when I started uh interning there um that's when I started really getting into the strength training and um I joined Jordan Syatt's um, inner circle. And I, at the same time I was getting my, I got my nutrition cert first because that's what really um, was an interest to me more than the, the strength training. Um, I noticed that everyone that I was taking classes with, they were all working really hard, including myself and no one was, they all never changed. They were always coming in. Like I can never lose weight, but they were there five days a week. Like me, you know, Mm -hmm. I I was the same weight for like a year. I didn't really focus on my nutrition until a year or so after I was sober. It was like sobriety running that all took, um, ahead before my nutrition or any of that. Um, and I'm like, I think I want to get certified in nutrition because I started listening to Jordan and I was like, uh, he was like kind of coaching me and I was like, oh, calorie deficit. Okay, let's get let's dive a little bit deeper into this. And I'm like, okay, as more I learned and I started applying the information that I was learning, I started losing fat. And I'm like, okay, nutrition is the driver of fat loss. Oh, you really yeah. can't, you can't outrun a fork because I tried. It's like, people are like, well, no, you can run a marathon and you can lose weight. I'm like, no, I no. trained for a marathon and didn't lose a fucking pound. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter because your body you're adapts. Your, right. your body adapts to the cardio. So it's like you're running, you could be running 20 miles and it's, you're burning the same amount of calories as you're running a 5k. Um, that's your body's very good at adapting. So um, I, I got certified nutrition first and that's when everything kind of fell into place. And then I got certified in personal training and stuff like that. Mm. Outrun the fork. I've never heard yeah. that. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. That's <laughs> totally what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The calorie deficit thing. It, this is what I love about like what you do and like what you promote. It's so fucking simple. Yeah. Because it, it really is, easy. right? It's not always easy, but it's <laughs> no, so fucking yeah. simple. Yeah. And that's the other thing that we get caught up in in our society is this culture of like, there's this magic diet that's going to work because mm-hmm. nobody wants to just admit that they're just eating too many calories. They want to find right. a way to eat too many calories and still lose weight. Mm-hmm. And you have to surrender to the fact that that's just not the way the human body is yeah. designed. Yeah. You just waste so much time trying to hack the code yeah. and there's no and hack. I, no. And I think a lot of people just misunderstand like a calorie deficit and actual portions. Like, right. That you was know, me they, too. Mm-hmm. unless like the game changer for me, and I know a lot of people are like, they get so like, I don't want to weigh and measure my food and track it. It's like, okay, but here's the thing. Nothing worked for me until like I, cause I didn't understand. Everyone was like calorie deficit, you know, you're eating too many calories. It's like, okay, but what does that even mean? Um, mm-hmm. Explain like, so Jordan, like it, the way he put it, and it's like, you got to weigh and measure your food in grams on a food scale. And then, you know, make sure you're getting enough protein. And then like, when you're like, actually doing that, you're like, okay, that's all that is for a portion. It that's when you're like creating awareness, because then the visual is like, where people don't see they're like, 
because they're not weighing and measuring food. They don't know what portions look like. They're guesstimating. So they're like, well, um, it says in the box that, uh, um, you know, it's this amount, but then they're just doing this, mm-hmm. like pouring shit in without, you, I, I, you know, it looks like it's a cup. Right? But even then, <laughs> but like, I, 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 I would measure a cup, but then if you, so then I've learned that, you know, it says half a cup, but you should go by the grams because yeah. you mm-hmm. actually measure half a cup and you weigh it. Yeah. It's completely different. So different. Yeah. Right. And uh, by weight rather than volume, that's where a lot of people go wrong too. Yeah. Cause that's where I was going wrong mm-hmm. in the past when I was like, yeah, but I've done calorie deficit before and it didn't work. Like I did just, you know, download my fitness pal and, and let it tell me what I should be eating, which was like, it's like a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, and I, and yeah, I wasn't losing weight, but yeah, I was not measuring correctly. I was just basing it off of what they said. Uh, a serving is uh, about four of whatever, but then mm-hmm. so many grams. Well, I would eat the four, but if now I go back and I measure the four and actually like put it down to the gram. So yeah. that the calories are correct because all those little missteps of each meal can add, up, add up to you no longer being in a deficit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. It really and is. Yeah. It's And why would you want to fight it? It's like I, when people are like, I don't want to weigh and measure my food. There's no way I can do that. Okay, well, why do you want to keep spinning your wheels? If you know that this is going to work, if you know mm-hmm. that you could actually see results if you do this thing, why wouldn't you want to do it? Why are you making it more difficult for yourself by complaining um, when you could right. just be doing it and, and getting the fucking results that you want, or you can go the next year and try to still figure out and if you're in a deficit, if you want to go for it, but have yeah. fun, you know, come back to me when you're ready to weigh and measure your food or track it to see how your portion control looks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it doesn't, it really doesn't take that much longer. No. I mean, it really doesn't. And you get good at it. Yeah. And then you get to the point where like you, if you use an app, which obviously highly recommend because why would you not my god Mm -hmm. yeah then you just start like you have stuff saved like you I mean I don't know about you I just have like basically my go-tos I don't really eat outside of that very often because it's just what I know it's what I like and I just Mm -hmm. just do that same yeah and then the stuff is already in there yeah so it's like everything you do in the beginning like if you're a beginner at anything it's going to be hard Mm mm-hmm Right. But people are like, don't want to put that initial work in to actually figure out the app um, to get to, you know, because once you keep using it, you're going to get familiar with it and then it's not going to be hard anymore. But you can't just start and be like, this is too hard when you <laughs> you literally just downloaded the fucking app. Right. <laughs> like, try try to use it. You don't have to. I think it's the perfection thing, too, that yes. if they're not perfect with the tracking in the beginning, that it's not worth it. But um, no one is perfect in the beginning, and that that is okay. It's better than what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, what 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 I was doing before was far from perfect, but <laughs> it's in my head it was like I'm such a I can be such an all or nothing, and I I do find that since getting sober, like I've been really letting that go mm-hmm. and finding like that freedom in that. You know, like it's okay it's going to yeah. be okay. If you have a bad day, it's okay. That doesn't mean now we're going to have a bad fucking year. Right. Like, <laughs> we're just going to have, I mean, even like sometimes, okay, we had a bad afternoon. Like it's fine. Like mm-hmm. it happens. It's fucking life. And, and that's yeah. a big thing that comes with sobriety because like I, and it sounds like you as well. Like I drank because I didn't want to deal with anything uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to deal with anything uncomfortable yeah. at all. And cause I started drinking at 14. So mm-hmm. it became, I mean, that was, it was ingrained. That was my coping skill. That was yeah. it. I, I didn't know any other way to cope. And so I'm so grateful that I had, I did my nutrition right away because I feel like that helped me with not just healing. Cause obviously, you know, the damage that you do to your body, drinking a poison yeah. like that, but also doing the protein helped me with the sugar cravings. Yeah. You know, anytime somebody who's sober, like says, Oh my gosh, like the sugar cravings, what do you do? I'm always like, try to just get more protein. Cause that's what I did. Cause the protein really helps. Like it helps so much curve that, Yeah, you know, and people fight it. It's, it's, (laughs) 
they fucking fight the protein. It's like, you know, if you tell someone, you know, cut the carbs, cut the sugar, you should go keto. Uh, no, never mind. Go carnivore. Um, they're like, okay, okay, yeah. fine. Great. I'm going to do that. But then the second you're like, you know, you probably should really get, um, you're going to feel a lot better if you get 25 to 30 grams of protein a meal, just for an example, right? They're like, oh my God, there's no way I can get that much. There's no way. I can't, oh, so I can't, easy. I can't even eat that protein. It's like, Jesus Christ, you're going to fight the, like the fucking protein thing, but you're like, okay, cool. I don't, I'm not going to eat any sugar. That's just, you know, it's it, like, it, it you're doesn't willing make to go any... on a strict diet and cut all right. the shit out. But when I'm like, you should add more protein because you're, it's going to actually make you feel better. Um, They question the hell out of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's not science. Your body can't um, digest more than 25 grams per meal. Uh, like, oh, my God. What does that even mean, though? <laughs> what do you like? It's crazy. What like, what does that I'm even like, mean? Like, your body can't <laughs> die. So what happens? Do you what is it going to do? Like, right, what's going to happen? I mean, it's just your body's going to use it. What do you think you're going to do? Piss it out? I mean, <laughs> it, it it's like it's crazy. The stuff that people will make up um to get out of their protein is <laughs> but but they can't stop eating a gallon of fucking ice cream a night and they can't stop snacking because they're not getting adequate protein and they have these sugar cravings they're never satisfied um so that's another one that baffles me <laughs> yeah it does it it baffles me too and i the proof is in the pudding man like mm-hmm. you got to do it it's just like you got to do these things to yeah. either prove your point that you were right which usually you're gonna find out that you were extremely wrong Mm -hmm. and that it is actually simple and yeah some days it's not easy but a lot of days it will be easy once you get it get in the flow of doing it and then you're just like like me why the hell didn't I do this sooner like yeah why didn't I do this sooner Mm -hmm. I feel like and I know sobriety helps but I sleep so good my energy levels used to be insane throughout the day mm-hmm. like yeah insane dipping I know dipping. right oh. I used to have those afternoon crashes I don't have that anymore at all Mm-mm. at all because you know I prioritize protein is super important especially like as you're getting older I don't think women understand that we need the protein I mean we're losing muscle we need our bone density it is very vital for us to get and the more protein the better to be honest um, and I know they say that, especially for women that are like, as they're aging, protein is so important to maintain that muscle. You don't want to fucking lose that muscle and you don't want to get mm-hmm. osteoporosis or uh, sarcopenia. That shit is real. You know, what is sarcopenia? I've never that, that's that. kind of like a, another bone um, loss disease, I believe really? too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like in the, in the osteoporosis. I think okay. it's worse than osteoporosis. I think I'd have to like Google it, but um, yeah. Yeah, that's another whole nother thing too on why I wanted to strength train. And I'm like coming at it as a, from a different angle because I mentioned earlier, like the punishment was what it used to be about. Like, you know, you ate too much, you drank too much. Now I go into my workouts from like, okay, you're you're 43 and you're coming up on some hard times in life. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to be... I don't, I want menopause to be as easy as it can be. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to have balance. I want my joints to not be shot. Yeah. You know, my mom has had a knee replacement, a hip replacement, same thing mm. with my mother-in-law and they're young. Like my mom yeah. had her first knee replacement when she was like 46. Oh, damn. I'm like, probably because not enough protein and all that, you know, strength training and stuff. Like you think about her generation I mean, yeah. she worked out, but she never did. Those women did not lift weights. No, that was cardio oh, bunnies. My mom was like yep. the fucking cardio queen. Yep. Yeah. And then she's a hairdresser. And so she was hard on her body between doing her aerobics and she walked all the time, like constantly mm-hmm. was walking. And then she worked all day on her feet, of course. And she played basketball and had a knee injury. So it's like she did all, she thought she was doing the right things. Mm-hmm. She really did. And I, and, and, you don't know what you don't know, but I know what I know. And I'm not going to fuck it up. Like it's like one of those things that's like, I fucking know what I need to do and I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it's a good thing. Like, uh, like you, you're, um, 
you know, you cut alcohol early in your 40s, your strength training. And I think it, that's amazing because you are getting ahead of the game, kind of like mm-hmm. instead of being reactive, you're being proactive. Like mm-hmm. I can't imagine because I started getting crazy menopause symptoms now at 50. But um, I can't imagine how would it be if I was still drinking, if I wasn't strength training, if I wasn't taking care of my health for the, the eight years before this, right. you know, like it, it, it probably would send me over the edge. But now like I'm in a more, better mental place. I have muscle. I, you know, um, I'm on a new protocol, which actually is working great. But I think so many more women are reactive um, so they don't take care of it until they're right in the menopauses hit them up the ass. Right. And then mm-hmm. it's like, they're trying to read vamp their entire fucking life during menopause, which is not easy. Right. I mean, that's no. very, that's, that's, that's a lot. So if you're, you know, if you take care or start to take care of yourself, what years before that, you're going to have a better transition into your menopause years for sure. Yeah. That's definitely a goal of mine. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, came about. <laughs> and and it, it's a roller coaster. So, you know, I, I've been on topical creams. Like, it, I started getting men- perimenopause in my early 40s. So, weird, I, you know, I started having anxiety and um, I get, you know, hot flashes and things like that. But then I got some progesterone cream, which that worked for a long while and some anti anxiety meds. But then that stuff starts to not work because then you're losing more estrogen and more progesterone. And so, as the years go, go, you're going to have to change protocols as they go. And I'm sure diet plays along with that too. Yeah. With, mm-hmm. with our hormones. Strain training helps um, regulate your hormones. So if you're going through menopause, perimenopause, get in the fucking gym. Yeah. That's going to help. And put down the alcohol. Yeah. That, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That's the like pouring gasoline like yeah. on your, on your menopause symptoms. I can't imagine like still drinking now while I'm going through this. There's, I'd be, I'd probably be in a mental hospital. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, seriously though, like, though. Yeah. And there's so many women that do because like that time in your life is stressful anyway. And then you add the menopause. And so then if coping for them has always been, or relaxation has always been alcohol, that's what yeah. they're going for. And they don't even, they don't even realize that they're just, like you said, they're lighting it on fire. Mm-hmm. You know, they're already not sleeping well. Oh, I'm going to drink some wine so I can sleep. No, you're going to wake up at 2 or 3 a.m. Yeah. Sweating your ass off with horrible anxiety. Right. You're not sleeping. You're passed out. (laughs) You're not getting REM sleep when you're drinking. (laughs) And it's like we need that sleep, especially probably during that time, I would guess, because sleep Mm -hmm. is probably hard with the hot flashes anyway, waking you up and... I, February, it was really bad. Like my hot, I've never had so many hot flashes and night sweats. Like dur- I never had day hot, hot flashes. And it was like, you could feel it like coming up. Right. Mm. And, and like, suddenly you would just start sweating. And I'm like, okay, this is new. This must be a uh, hot flash. <laughs> and then I started getting I'd like waking up every hour at night drenched. I'd have to change my clothes. Yeah. Um, so bad. And I'm like, I can't, I can't fucking live like this. I called my doctor. I'm like, we need to do something. Um, I'm not sleeping. It's been like a month or two now. And so we started um, doing like a low dose birth control and it's been working. She didn't want me for some reason to go on HRT yet. She's like, you will be, but let's just do this right now. Cause you're still, I'm still young. Um, according to like menopause age, right. She's like, um, I'm probably still in perimenopause. So yeah, that, that you need to sleep. Oh, it's like, don't they base it off your mom or something like that too? My like mom when... said she went through menopause at 50. So it could be, I mean, I haven't had a period since November, but you, you can't, they can't, you're not technically menopausal until you've not had a period for a year. So a you year. really don't even know if you're in menopause till actually when it's over. Oh, so if you've gone a full 12 fun. months <laughs> without a period, you just went through menopause and now you're postmenopausal. And you're like, so, oh, that's what just happened. Yeah. And so a lot of women were, you know, they were like, oh, I think I'm menopause. Um, and they're like 11 months in and then they get their period. It's like, nope, you're still in perimenopause. So until you go another full year. Yeah. Yeah. Good times, Starting right? Over. Um, but you know, when I hear women, it's like, I've been in menopause for 12 years. No, you have been Holy in peri- perimenopause for 12 years. You can't be in menopause for fucking 12 years. You can be in menopause for 12 months. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that I mean, it makes sense, I guess. Like, it's one of those mm-hmm. things 
you don't know till it's yeah. over. Um, unless you get a blood test, then, you know, that your doctor yeah. can say, you know, yes, you are in menopause right now. But um, if you don't do that, you won't know until you don't have a period for Yeah, because they months. like just look at the hormone levels or whatever, yeah. right? That can mm-hmm. be an indicator. Yeah. But I've always had like hormone issues. Um, It's kind of funny because I'm like unraveling just that in general. Like I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Um. 2016. Yeah. Mm. Which is why I went gluten and dairy free. And I never told my doctors how much I was drinking. And right. Of course I didn't either, (laughs) you know, and then I still had like really bad symptoms of the Hashimoto's and I blame, and and even though I was gluten and dairy free, but I still just thought, well, maybe I'm not fully gluten and dairy free. Maybe it's sneaking into my food. Mm -hmm. No, it was the fucking alcohol. Like you know, any autoimmune is like a gut related issue. Yeah. Here I am someone who probably has leaky gut because I have an autoimmune disease and I'm drinking alcohol. And it's just like, I never wanted to admit that, you know, like Mm -hmm. I never wanted, it's so weird looking back because a lot of people realize what they're doing, but they do it anyway. Like I literally, I'm not even kidding when I tell people, I had no fucking idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Like I did not think alcohol was bad. Right. I know it sounds so naive, but I really didn't think it was bad. Oh, no, no, you're not alone in that. I surrounded myself with people that just, yeah. you know, so it's crazy because ever since I've quit drinking, my Hashimoto's symptoms are gone. Mm. And I eat gluten and dairy. Like I started eating gluten and dairy. It'll be three years in October. Wow. The only difference is I don't drink alcohol anymore. Mm hmm. And once again, it's like one of those things. It sounds, it's so simple and it really is. Like if you have health issues, even mental health issues. Oh, right. You remove alcohol and you have to, you can't just remove it for 30 days. Like it, because I had major anxiety too. Mm -hmm. Horrible anxiety attacks, like almost daily. Oh yeah. I like didn't want to leave my house and it, it took about 60 days, but giving up that one thing that I just like held on to because I was addicted to it. I can say Mm -hmm. that now because I was addicted to it. Not because it was great and it helped me and I needed it. Like what I would say, but because that no is because I was fucking addicted Mm -hmm. and to let go of that, everything that has like improved in my life. Right. I don't have enough time to talk about it. Like I know, <laughs> I know. Right. And I am now to this point where I'm like, did I have Hashimoto's disease? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, like, yep. did I really have that? Or, you know, was it just all these symptoms of my alcohol consumption? Yep. It's wild. crazy, huh? Yeah. So wild. So you work with like, what is your business like? Do you do group coaching and one-on-one coaching? So I start, yeah. So I started off, um, one-on-one coaching with nutrition and strength training. It was just me. Um, and then I've been building a team over the years. I have six coaches on my team. I no longer do one-on-one coaching because now I'm running like a team and I have to work, I guess it's like on my business instead of in my business, but I do, I do still, I have group coaching that, which I do still coach, but mostly I'm doing, um, running my team, um, and, uh, have a podcast cut the crap with Beth and Matt, um, my friend, Matt. Um, so I've been doing that and, um, also like really, uh, in my, I have a free Facebook group. So, you know, uh, nurturing the community in there. So that's a lot of work. It's, I love it though. I love it. It's, yeah. it's, I love helping people and just getting people out of diet culture and healing their relationship with food. And, you know, um, it's, it's, it's an awesome feeling to have someone <laughs> say they're, they're just started eating bananas and peaches and apples oh. again after five years. I'm like, you know what I mean? But that's, that's where we are right now. Like, is. like people afraid of fruit or, th- you know, they haven't had a fucking slice of bread because they've been on keto and they, you know, just to hear these stories of people that are now like normal, eating normal food and not hating themselves for doing it. Um, there's a lot of that, like we were discussing earlier. Mm-hmm. Do you find that people come to you because you're sober? Do you ever have anyone say like, 
I come to you because you're sober. I need some, I'm sober or I want to get sober. Do you find that in your community? I have. have? Yeah. And actually a couple of coaches on my team are sober, which is cool. But yeah, I I do have a lot of people that come to me because of um, sobriety or, you know, they want to um, kind of look at their relationship with alcohol, not drink as much. And um, yeah, kind of like here, the relationship with food with giving up the alcohol too, but we're not sponsors either. So it's like that fine line of like, okay, this is, you know, nutrition. And if, you know, if you really like some people have had like legitimate, like alcoholism where, Mm -hmm. um, so so I believe we had a client, um, she went into treatment, which I, I, that's awesome. Like, I'm so glad that, that she had, she had to do that. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Cause I, like you said, we can't, sponsor people like right there's like this is nutrition strength training it's like I mean yeah yeah even with me having this podcast and then having like a really big presence in like the sober community I have to remind myself all the time because people reach out right they're like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh you're so inspiring and like but there's a fine line between like supporting and then becoming that person's like all you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying like yeah they just start you start feeling responsible for their sobriety. Like when you start, like when they start making you feel like they can't stay sober without you, like if you're not Mm. responding or you're not communicating with them, Mm -hmm. like you're, and they start making you feel that way. Yeah. That's when things have gone a little, yeah, a little too far. Like you have to reel that in because you, you can only be responsible for your own sobriety. That is the only one that and that's the only one you are responsible for like period like mm-hmm. you're not responsible for anyone else's yeah you can you can inspire and you can support but it has to end yeah. there yeah cuz social media is like you know it's, in, it's intense man mm-hmm. uh, i'm definitely a lot more thick skinned <laughs> now than i was in 2020 when 2020 TikTok days. I know Eric, we started at the same time because we did the same, we did the Jordan mentorship together. I don't oh, know if you know cool. that. That's okay, how, that's how, I, that's, that's, that's how, how you how met I, him. That's how we met him in 2020. We were at, we were at the same. Um, he is so fucking amazing. I'm so proud of him. Oh my God. He's been crushing it. Yeah. Um, that guy, the, he works like he works so oh, hard. He does. Man. Like, oh my God. I don't get it. I really like, don't. he is an animal. Um, yep. <laughs> Uh, but it's going to serve him well, like in the long run, you know, oh, like yeah. working he's this so hard. Young. Holy he's so shit. fucking young. He's yes. Gonna, he, I know. I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, well, yeah, of course he can work like that. He's fucking 26. Like, right? you know, I'm and like... I'm sure you do it too. Like you compare yourself oh, yeah. to people yeah. sometimes, especially mm-hmm. when you're trying to build like content and all of that. Yeah. And yeah, I always have to remind myself, I'm like, yeah, he's fucking 26. And no when kids. He's, when he's you know, 43, he's going to be like sitting back, just retired. Really, yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, I don't even know what I was saying, but sorry. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? We were talking about um. Oh, we me and Eric started together at yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, we're talking about comments. So yeah, so in the beginning of the TikTok days, you know, oh, uh, oh. when that when the negative comments came, oh, it would send me like into mm. a fucking depression. Um, and I'm like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? These people hate me, and I'm like, you know, you don't know, like you don't know, right. like let it go. Right. So as you, the years go on and you deal with this back and forth all the time. Now I'm like, Oh yeah, I know these people are fucking idiots. I'm just going to yeah. either I'll, I'll pick like a one bad comment a week to make a reply video. And now it's like therapy for me to reply in these ways that I reply and people are like, well, why do you um, give them the time of day? It's like, do you have 700 fucking thousand followers and get 8 million comments a day that are negative? You know, like people don't understand that you can't just sometimes let it go. Like right. to me, it's like if you let things go, that just means that people are getting away with shit because nothing mm-hmm. is nothing has changed unless you actually voice it out. Just like with alcohol, mm-hmm. no one's talking about it. No one's nothing's going to change. Right. So it's like, you know, fuck you for talking to me like that and saying this shit yeah. in my comment section. Like that's rude. And so I'm going to call you out on it. If you're going to blatantly make a comment. OK, here we go. Um, so that's, that's what I do. It's like, you know, that it works for me. So that's how I deal with the negativity is like that. I'll make a comment video and I'm like, all right, I'm good for another, another week. Yeah. But see, this is what I have a hard time with. Like, I don't understand how people can go to someone's Instagram, TikTok, whatever, see Mm -hmm. something 
that they don't like. And then they have to fucking say something. It's crazy, right? And they're so righteous about it. Like mm-hmm. what they're going to say, like they need you to conform for them, to make them feel okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's fucked up to me because mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're not allowing social media to be what it's there for. Like right. your space is for your content and it's for mm-hmm. you to express who you are. Right. And I, that's what I hate because the more haters that are out there doing that, it makes some people, it actually, they'll get, it gets in their head, right? So then they kind yeah. of like quit creating in the way that they want to create, you know? It's mm-hmm. one thing if you were physically, like, they don't have to watch your shit. Like, right. it's that easy, right? Yeah. Scroll on through it, block, do whatever if they don't like the way you talk or whatever it is. But they act like you literally came to their front door and, like, rang the doorbell like that's how they're that's like the negative comment reaction like that's what I'm such a metaphor person but like that's what it reminds me of like that's yeah. how worked up they get about something they saw on social media that offended them I know it's crazy Let's I mean I can't like on. you said I can't imagine if I don't like a video I just scroll by and I, it's like it's like it never them. even happened you know as I'm like why would I like that says something about you. Like you have issues. If you're going on someone's page, you're really let, letting that person bother you. Like the fuck bomb bothers you that much that you're going to go oh. off on me about it on my page. I yeah. mean, who cares? It, it, Be mad know? at the algorithm. It ain't um, that's fault. It's, your damn algorithm screwed up. If you don't like cussing, then why is that coming up on your algorithm? Right. You're obviously it's, watching a lot of videos that are right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's just, Crazy. Girl, I feel you. I feel People are you. crazy. They are. They really and I just are. have to remember, you know what? It's them. It's not me. Yeah. Like, and you'll never really meet these people in real life and you'll never know them. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. 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 These people don't know me. They're like, oh, you do this just for show. It's like, you're, you're right. You're right, Aaron. I'm doing this yeah. for show. Okay. Do you think how exhausting that would be to be doing this for show for three fucking years? <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. would, that alone would drive me to drink. Right. If I was trying to be a fake ass for three years of yeah. my life on social media, I mean, you know. Uh, that's what I love about you. You just keep it real. You just keep it real. What it is. You got to keep yeah. it real. No you one, you know, a lot of other people aren't. So thank you for listening to the podcast today. Remember, I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle. I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety, so feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at This Is Stuff Sober. Links to both are listed in the show notes.